0: Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Monday, June 21st. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Yes, we're recording on a Monday, kind of a rare occurrence for us here. This worked out best uh, for myself and our guests, and I'm going to just bring these guys in. 1st going to bring in John Brown. John, how are things going? Hey, Rod, things are going well. Thanks for having me back again. Absolutely. I'm look, really looking forward to this. Uh, talking to you and to, uh, to Dave or uh, David Voorhees. Dave, how are things going for you?
1: Man, everything's going really good. Glad to be here.
0: Excellent. Uh, for those of you listening, uh, got these guys in to talk some writing, first of all. Uh, we're going to talk some Browns, too, but uh, if you follow these guys on Twitter, um, John... John puts out a lot of, uh, and we'll talk about John first. John puts out a lot of, um, I guess, poetry, first of all, um, on Twitter. Um, John, do you still do your, do you still have your blog and do you still add to that?
2: Yeah. Um, on on occasion, um, I do, it it just depends on if I, (laughs) if I think about it or if I remember, um, at any given time, you know, I, I, uh, I may put something on, um, twitter or i might put it on instagram um sometimes i do add it to my blog um so i've yeah i've kind of i am I'm, I'm pretty pretty much scattered to the four corners yeah. in terms of social media and stuff having it out there
0: yeah so you still do that and you've uh, this really doesn't have anything to do with what we're doing right now but i mean you're you're just a talented guy so you've started doing stuff with photography not too long ago and you're and uh taking some great pictures and and um you've got uh you've got a site for that so let's put that out there because i've got some of your stuff i think it's great um it and it's uh i guess from what i remember it's pretty much all beach kind of stuff um but excellent photographs and you can get these uh you know i mean i've I got a t-shirt my wife got a beach towel um really cool stuff so why don't you give a out the information for the, that photography site because yeah, I think you should check it out.
2: Um, probably the easiest way for anybody to find me would be I do I account for that as well um, and it's just J.R. Brown Photog, P-H-O-T-O-G um, and I'll make sure that everybody gets that you know after um, but that has a, a, a link it has a link to all my different social media it has a link to my actual personal website that has photography stuff and it has a link to my store um that i'm tra- that i'm constantly i'm constantly trying to put new material out there and and yes as of right now it is mostly um just you know beach oriented items um you know mostly beach sunsets uh birds you know some of the you know some of the different stuff you know with a lot of the birds that we have down here in south florida pelicans and, yeah. and egrets and herons and some terns and things like that um so yeah it was just something that i kind of fell into um you know i've been taking you know i think we all just dabble with photography in in some sense because we all have smartphones and it makes it easy and so it was something I kind of started doing and people started saying hey you've got a pretty good eye for this or you capture that and and so I just I I started doing it and then I started finding out that it's pretty easy to capture certain things or to you know edit things a certain way or and it's kind of the way I explained it to my wife is I can take nature and use that as my canvas and then you know, do something with it to to put my you know, I guess you could say my touch on it to give it a, just a different a different energy or 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 maybe to capture my emotion or my feeling, kind of like with writing in in some aspects. And so it just became another form yeah. of expression. So yeah,
0: I got to ask you do Do you remember the 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 picture on the shirt that I purchased? Um, it, it's of a d- it's underneath of a of a of a a uh, pier.
2: Yeah, it's 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 I took that standing underneath the Naples pier um, as the sun as the sunset was going down. um, And I I think I titled that one. I think I titled it light at the end of the tunnel, if I remember correctly. Um, That that, yeah, that was a few months old. Um, But (laughs) and, and, and I'll be honest, I mean, the original photo is very nondescript. It's very um it's almost monochrome it's 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 a very grayscale. it's it's it was kind of a cloudy day and the sun was just kind of you know it had a brightness to it but i took that and um i played with it and played with it and played with it and then all of a sudden i just hit something and i went oh wow i think that's that's what i'm looking for that's you know, and that's kind of i mean in all honesty that's kind of what i do with a lot of these i mean it's just I go with what feels right for that photo um, depending on what's in the photo, whether it's a bird or whether it's the pier, whether it's uh, the clouds, uh, you know, and not all of my, you know, even though it's sunset, not all of my photos have the sun. Um, And so it's just capturing what that photo feels like and how it, it, and, and what feels right to me when I try to capture the energy in a photo.
0: Well, We were under the pier in Venice and it looked almost identical to that picture. That's what I was asking. So a lot of the piers nice. probably look similar. I, nice. I was just kind of wondering if it happened to be the same spot because we took we took some pictures under under that Venice pier and they came out. They didn't look like yours, but they looked like the same pier.
2: Yeah, yeah, so it's probably cool. and it's yeah, and it's probably the you know the, a lot of the piers down here are probably built very similarly. Um, it depends. I mean, the, now so a lot of my pictures are taken over by you know what amounts to an, an old pier that is no longer there and all that you have are the posts that are still sticking out of the water. You know, they have, you have the pilots oh, yeah. and that's where all the, that's where all the pelicans kind of gather and they hang out and, and that kind of thing. And so that, I, I use that too, you know, cause you get some really, you get depth in a photo and you get some, you get a different sense of um, you get a different sense of energy with the birds and, and, and some of these types of things when it, when, it, when you add that to the photo.
0: Yeah, so let's let's move on to, to Dave. Uh, Dave Voorhees, you find him at Author Horror. That tells you a little <laughs> bit about what Dave does. Uh, a little bit. Now, now Dave, uh, you, you go by the Hound of Horror. So why don't you yes. tell everybody where the Hound part comes from? Well,
1: um, actually, it first started out as the Hound of Bakersville, as a play on words for the Hound of the Baskervilles, which is my favorite Sherlock Holmes story. And okay. then I just kind of evolved it into the hound of horror to kind of get away from the more Browns related. Cause I knew now do more writing and stuff like that on my Twitter. And I have a mm-hmm. lot more writers that wouldn't understand Bakersville. What's that? <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: gotcha. yeah. So you, you have, you have a book that's out and yep. that's the feast and yep. other horrifying tales. And, and that's, um, that's available on Amazon. You have a link on your on your Twitter account, right?
1: Yes, it's that, available uh, uh, on Amazon and Audible. There's an audio book on Audible. You can get it also through Amazon. Amazon has the paperback, and then actually you can get it on BarnesandNoble.com as well and hardback.
0: Oh, okay. Excellent.
2: you just you're just showing off now, Dave.
0: Yes, I he am. is. <laughs> he has got a hardback book. Yeah, impressive. Well, guys, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get back into all that writing stuff. But before we do, let's talk about what we're drinking tonight. And I like to let the guests go first. So, so John, I know you're drinking something very interesting. Why don't you Why don't you let us know what that is?
2: Um. I, and I and I think you know to kind of if you circle back to my Twitter handle uh, you know it's a dog pound surf and, and that kind of you know I'm a lifelong Browns fan going back to the early '70s but I fell in love with surfing in you know the mid 2000s and, and and I, I really cater to a lot of the things that capture the spirit of surfing and or Hawaii and um, about 2011 2012 I discovered Kona Brewing Company and at that point in time they had a coconut coconut uh, based beer that I really liked uh but since then I've kind of you know branched out into some of their other beers but uh the one that I'm drinking tonight um is Hanalei um which is a town in Kauai but I'm drinking the uh Hanale Island IPA um and it's 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 light it doesn't have a high alcohol by volume content so I kind of like that so it's kind of more of a refreshing beer um but it's made with passion fruit guava and orange so it's it's and it, but it's not too overpowering it's it's not. I, I wouldn't really call it a fruity beer because it doesn't have that kind of flavor or that strength to it. But uh, it's just it's just a nice beer that kind of settles easy. Uh, doesn't have a doesn't have a bitter aftertaste. And even though it's an IPA, it doesn't have that you know that bitterness a lot of times mm-hmm. that you might get. So yeah, just um, just a nice change of pace. Just uh, yeah, it's it's a good uh, it's a good beer, especially if if you're a fruit person. You know, you like fruit beer, you might like it. If you like IPAs, mm, maybe not. But uh, yeah, I think it's worth a try.
0: Actually, I had a Kona probably like a month ago. It wasn't an IPA though, it, and it was—I can't remember what the name of it was. It—it it had a citrusy flavor to it, though. I thought it was really good.
2: Yeah, they have their—they uh, have one that's—I want to say pineapple-based, um, but they have like a—they uh, the, have a wheat—they have a wheat-based one. I think that one's called Big Island. But then they have Lava Rock Pale Ale. Uh, they have a porter, and I can't remember what that one's called. But yeah, all of their beers are pretty good. Now, and I will admit, you haven't really truly enjoyed or experienced their beer unless you've actually had it in Hawaii at the brewing company fresh on tap. That's when you actually truly enjoyed their beer.
0: Well, yeah. I think Dave would agree with me that I'm guessing that any drink probably tastes better in Hawaii. Uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> water, water water tastes better in Hawaii. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> Everything's better
1: in Hawaii. Yeah.
2: that is yeah, a Pretty,
0: pretty safe bet. Except for football. Except for football.
1: Except for football. (laughs)
0: Right. So, so Dave, what are you drinking tonight?
1: Well, um, I am not much of a beer drinker like you guys. I do enjoy a brew every now and again, but tonight I went with a wine. It is a blueberry moscato, which is a New World or uh, what they call a cocktail wine. It's sweet. It's made by the Oliver Company, uh, which means it's cheap. It's only about eight dollars a bottle.
0: (laughs) <laughs> All
1: right, um, and I'm drinking it out of my Cleveland Browns goblet that I had created about a year or so ago.
0: That goblet's sharp too. Yeah,
1: thank you. <laughs> I <laughs> straight
0: out the bottle. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Hey, a, a, as as our friend Coach says, every man should have a goblet <laughs> to
0: drink wine out of.
1: Yeah, wine. You <laughs> can drink anything out of a goblet, man. It's a goblet.
0: <laughs> That's right. Well, guys, I'm drinking, and this is from, I guess, uh, it's it's called Point Brewer. I guess it's Stevens Point Brewery. I uh, there, there's a story behind this, but this is a hazy pebbles fruity, um, fruity hazy milkshake IPA. Um, there's a lot going on with this beer. Um, and the reason I, I went out, I went out to a store to try to find a milkshake beer because when I was down in Siesta Key, we went to, we went to a, uh, just a pizza place in Sarasota that had you know, like 50 taps on the wall. And, and I went and got my little samples and I, and one of them was a, uh, was a strawberry milkshake beer. And I, I had never <laughs> had a milkshake beer, and you know, it tasted like strawberry milkshake with a little bit of beer in it. I thought it was really good, so I've been, so I'm trying to find a milkshake beer that I like. And this, this the, uh, this really doesn't have the same milkshake flavor. I can taste the uh, fruitiness to it, um, and I can taste that it. it's an IPA. Um, it's it's a good beer, but it tastes different from that strawberry milkshake that I had down there, which I'll probably never find again because. Because uh, I, I realized when I was up there putting my little flight together, I was talking to another guy who was about my age. And he's like, we're comparing notes and we're like, we're never going to remember what we even poured. And he said, well, my son was up here before and he he took his phone out and took pictures of the taps as he was put filling the cups. You know, mm-hmm. well, I, we weren't that smart. So so mm-hmm. I have no idea what beers I actually drank. But um so I'm looking for that, but um, this is okay. I don't know. I, I see people uh, tweet pictures to me about milkshake beers, and I just—it's uh, going to be a a continuing effort to to try to find one that I really like, guys. So, anyways, that was fun. Cool that we're all drinking something interesting and different. Kind of like our writing, right?
2: Right. <laughs> well, and and not only that, I, I don't know if you noticed this, but I mean. Each of us were drinking something fruit based. You got straw like this strawberry thing going on and, and Dave's yeah. got blueberry and I've got like the, you know, passion fruit and
0: guava. And <laughs> it's a good thing it's summer. Everybody be a
2: coincidence. Well, yeah, yeah that's, that's true. Yeah. yeah. I don't know yeah. about you guys, but it's 105. Well, it, was 100, it was like 105, 106 down here today. And it's still almost 100 degrees at 930 at night.
0: So, yeah, um, we just hit 70, but it, I think it was in the 80s today, mid 80s.
1: Uh, so, i'm yeah. sitting at 64 so
0: <laughs> i think we're only gonna be a high of 70 tomorrow so yeah it's gonna be a nice yeah. day be
2: yeah,
1: a nice day 106 here <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: well,
0: you live in Florida. <laughs> yeah close to the sun <laughs> so let's venture into this uh this topic of writing and Good. and dave i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of start with you because john and i have talked on this podcast a little bit about writing. So, um, so our our tales are a little bit told in some of these areas, but I kind of wanted to get, um, from you kind of how you got started, where, where your interest, you know, began, um, you know, and, and how you got to where you are now, as far as, um, you know, having written a book and, and I guess you're working on another one too, right? Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah. So, so when did this all begin? You know, did you was was writing that first book your first venture or did you did you do some other things that kind of led up to that or 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 what?
1: Um, Well, I've 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 had ideas for stories since I was a kid. Uh, Growing up, you know, I would like to uh, do different backgrounds. Uh, What do they call it? Um, I can't think of it, but. Where you change like a main character and you just change their history. So I would do that a lot. I would write stories like that for school and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, And I got into high school, I would start writing a little bit of my own stuff. And I've always ventured towards horror because I grew up watching horror ever since I was like a little kid. I would start with horror comedies like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Things like yeah. that. And then just graduated into your Friday the 13th, your Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, like I said, I saw the exorcist for the first time by myself when I was six, (laughs) probably not a good idea, but anyways, (laughs)
0: um,
1: so I've always kind of ventured closer to the horror side of things. Uh, I'd have nightmares just like everybody else. But then when I'd wake up in a cold sweat, I'd be like, that was cool. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, now as I got older, I, I never really believed I was a very good writer. Actually, I, even to this day, I tell people I'm not a good writer. I'm a good storyteller. You know, I, I'm the technical mm-hmm. part, make sure everything's spelled, proper periods and all that stuff, the punctuation's in the right places. That's, that's why I say that's why you hire proofreaders. But I tell a good story. Um, and for the longest time, I didn't think I'd ever be able to. Okay. And I started doing an articles for uh, Dog Pound Daily, actually. I did a few articles for them. And I realized that I'm not going to be a sports reporter. (laughs) I just, I I couldn't think of the stories. They were wanting like two stories a week. And I'm like, I just can't find them. I don't live in Cleveland. I live, you know, I live three hours away. So I was like, this isn't working out. So then I tried to be a uh, reporter for Walpak Daily News, which that's a, Walpock is a small town just south of where I'm at.
0: Um, What's, what town are you in, Dave?
1: i live in columbus grove ohio okay which is nowhere near columbus
0: (laughs) no well i know where Wapak is but yeah right i don't
1: i'm about 45 minutes north of wapak roughly okay so yeah so you kind of get an idea north of lima Yeah. yeah
0: yeah so uh well, I, I went to school in Defiance for a couple of years, so oh, I know most okay. of the little towns up that in there in that area. I don't—I've yeah. I've at least heard most of the names because a lot of the kids that went to school there went to all those little towns around that area.
1: Right. Well, I actually grew up in Elida, so kind of okay. another small village just like this one. Yeah. Uh, but when I tell people I'm from Columbus Grove, like, oh, so you're by Columbus? I'm like, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nowhere near it. Um, but like I said, working at the newspaper showed me that i could be a writer just newspaper wasn't where i was good at writing because they had certain rules and i just didn't like to follow them yep you you know ap nah i don't get along with AP AP yeah yeah
0: so so is was working at that paper is that when you first felt good enough i mean or comfortable maybe um that you felt confident in people seeing your stuff. Um, and I'll ask the same thing to you, John, when, cause I know John, you, 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 uh, you've done poetry and, and like s- song lyrics and things like this, but you probably did a lot of it before you showed anybody. So when did you, when did you guys each feel comfortable enough or, you know, either comfortable or felt you were good enough, confident enough to, To share this with people or you know or thought that you had the ability
1: well for me it was the paper that having people read my stuff every day you know two or three articles a day i got real comfortable with that uh it just but it wasn't my stuff it was just like here's the news story and that's it Uh so i used to create when i'm at work i work at factories uh all the time and I would tell stories while we were working to help kind of pass the time by. And I would share it with the people around me. And they loved it. So then I decided to sit down and write. And that's what I did. Starting with the Feast uh, title story. Nice.
0: So how about you, John?
1: You know, it's for me,
2: I started writing when I was little um and and of course back then it was primarily poetry um you know as a kid you don't really think about things like song lyrics or or (laughs) capturing those types of different types of you know you don't capture things in that sense um because right and and i will admit writing lyrics is different is is a little different than writing poetry in in some aspects Mm -hmm. but the other thing was is i also think and and to to kind of today's point being a storyteller there are different aspects of that and i think visually in, in in a lot of senses because i'm a very I'm a, I mean, I'm sure you guys know this, but I'm, I'm heavily a film guy. Um, and, and, and of course, and of course I went to college for theater and film. I've written screenplays. I've written four, um, and you know, and, and, and those different types of things. And so I think what, what starts to happen is depending on the type of feedback for me, it became a case of, um, for, I know this is going to sound weird, but words are words to me in the aspect. And it's just trying to capture what I feel and put it into the context that I need for a given scenario. So when I was in college and I'm in, in you know, and I'm having to write for my theater things, I had to learn how to put things into a context of telling a visual story. Um, but it's when you're writing emotionally or from a feeling or, or whatever you may be thinking, it's trying to capture a different sentiment. And it, and it becomes... You know, in recent years, I've really tried to, I guess you could say, practice uh, different ways or, you know, different formats or different genres. But I never really felt uncomfortable with my writing. I mean, I, when I was in high school, I was the guy that was proofreading all my classmates' and paperwork and <laughs> to help them out and that kind of thing. But um, yeah. I, I guess the weird now that I, when I think about it is. My my stepmother and I, after I I lost my mom as a kid, my stepmother and I were always at odds. But the one thing that she always held me up to was, you're such a phenomenal writer. You're such a great writer. It was the only thing that she would ever compliment me on. And I was like, she's like, you should write, you should write, you should write. And so it was kind of at that point in time, it became a case of, okay, I can start being more expressive. And it became a case of, you know, when I was in the military, that's how I would express to people. That's, you know, I'm, you know, regularly every year, that's what I was doing for Christmas or birthdays was I was sending my father, you know, a poem or, you know, those types of things. And, and, and in recent years, I just became more comfortable with it in the sense, because I started being in bands. I started singing in bands and all these different types of things. And at that point in time, I think, plus, once you get older, you really don't care.
0: yeah You know,
2: and, and so, and, and, and seriously, it became a case of like, I really don't care what people think at this point. In that sense, it's more of a case of I have something to say and I'll put it out. And I think the one thing that, that I I think where I've gotten a lot of fulfillment, I would say over the last maybe one to two years, is I would put something on Twitter and someone would reply in the sense of, wow, this resonates with me or wow, this made me see my own life in a different sense, or I feel something differently now because of this. And that's when I think you're truly, you know, you know, for me, I always think of quote unquote art, whether that's, you know, and, and Dave writes in a different style, but he, he impacts people. I can, I can see that by their reactions. And and I mean that good, you know, I mean that in a good way. (laughs) I terrify people. Well, no, and and, and Dave, I mean, think about it. You you get you get these reactions from people going, Wow, this is awesome. I I feel this Mm -hmm. or oh this is great. This is you know, and that's that's what good art does is it makes people feel something. And so that's what encourages me to keep writing. And and so if I if I help someone, you know, in, in terms of my writing, whether that's writing a poem that that makes them look inside themselves differently, or whatever the case may be, and they feel something differently, and that helps them, then you know, I, I'm certainly encouraged to keep doing that.
1: Oh yeah, and I've I've yeah. read a lot of John's stuff, and I love it. It's it amazes me every time I read it. It's just <sighs> oh, great yeah. stuff.
0: Yeah, definitely. It, but what he's saying is so is is so awesome because each each piece that he does it's going to hit different people Mm -hmm. and and it's not about it's not about being it being good you know um i mean what he writes is good it's about the impact on people and some of it really you know i mean i think each piece touches people in different ways you know and Mm -hmm. it it impacts them and that's and that's I would say that's what you're trying to do, but I don't think that's what you're trying to do. You, you write these things for you, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes.
2: Well, yeah. I, I, in, 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 like for me, sometimes I do. And, and, mm-hmm. um, but well, I, I should say, I shouldn't say that. I should say about 95% of the time, yes, I'm probably writing for me. Yeah. Um, um, I, I, and I won't. Uh, now, there are times where I may write something for somebody else, but that tends to be a personal thing. Like some, I obviously mm-hmm. something that I would write. You know, there are times where I'll write something about my wife and I'll put it online because I want people to see that or to understand where I what my thought process is or what I feel. Yeah. But I know yeah. that there are people on, you know, right now, for example, we 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 all have friends right now on Twitter that are struggling with things in real life. Yes. And, yeah. and, and and some of them are struggling with things that I understand or have dealt with. And so I may reach out to them and talk to them on a personal level or I may just try to write something because sometimes that's how I express easier. And so I may just try to write something and say, hey, don't lose sight of the big picture. You know, and, 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 yeah. and, and, and you know, because I know, you know, life gets the best of us at times. And 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 uh, and I think we've all been there in some, some way, shape or form. Um, I think this last year and a half has just okay. been chaotic for all of us. But then the real life that has even happened inside of, you know, the last year and a half, you know, has gotten to us as well. And, and so that's the thing, you know, I I try to, I try to let these people know, this is my way of showing you that I care or that hopefully my words can help you in some form. And, and, you know, if they do great, you know,
1: and and that's where you just, all you can do is just try to show people you care. Yeah. uh, I get John's point. I've wrote some poetry. I'm not much of a poet like him, (laughs) But I have wrote some that were internal, but most of the time my writing is just, I try to scare myself. <laughs> awesome. It don't work. I end up laughing while I'm writing, that's but awesome. I, try, I actually do try to scare myself. If I can get the hairs on the back of my neck to stand up, I feel bad for everybody that's going to read it. because
0: <laughs> You're going to catch them off, Curry. Right. Yeah.
1: And I said, some of my stuff it, it takes turns. It takes it's got twists in it. Sometimes, sometimes it's straightforward. Um, some people, I don't think some people realize when they're reading it how dark it can get. And John knows he's read some of my story, even like my newer story. It gets pretty dark.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, for, for me, just briefly. I, I never considered myself a writer, um, not, you know, I, I really never, I never really wrote, um, much, much of anything I'm, I'm talking up through high school, uh, nothing, um, never, I don't really think I had an interest in it, didn't think it was something I was really going to do. I just never really focused on it. I was, I was, a, you know, I was a math guy and, and other stuff and numbers person, Um, numbers. I I liked art and stuff and all this. I've always kind of been a person that uh, kind of odd things went, you know, I could just get interested in whatever. But um, my, uh, I think my senior year we had uh, in English, we had to uh, after doing the Shakespeare stuff, we had to write a sonnet. And I was the only one in the class who wrote an actual sonnet that qualified that was Fourteen lines iambic pentameter that that fit the bill perfectly, and I thought, well, you know, that that kind of hit me a little bit that I was able to do that nobody else was. And then, um, then actually at Defiance, uh, I think my sophomore year, I took uh, I took a British Lit class, which was supposedly the had the hardest professor, you know at the, at the college. And I got I got I think an A and an A plus on a couple of papers. And, you know, I started thinking, well, maybe I can write. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, and I never really did anything with it, um, you know, much. And I, you know, I started, I started writing some poetry and I've written poetry on my own, but, you know, I, I never really explored writing until I started writing sports, you know, probably about five years ago. So, um, I've got, uh, I've got a whole catalog of old poetry that probably nobody would be interested in, but, um, <laughs> you know, other than that, uh, I'm you still know, it, a work in progress.
2: <laughs> it's funny though, Rod. I mean, cause a lot of times I, I think, I think, you know, to, you know, I, I don't, to your point, I don't really think of myself as a writer. Um, you know, and, and I, I had somebody the other day, call me a renaissance man which I, I thought was interesting because because yeah, it, and, and, I, and it kind of caught me off guard I, I, I kind of it kind of caught me off guard because I always jokingly have said that about myself and I always tell my wife you know hey I'm you know I'm I consider myself the last great renaissance man and that's actually not true but I always used to jokingly say that cheek, right? yeah you, yeah it, you know, but and the thing about it though is when I look I'm always trying to see what I can do to make myself better even I don't quote unquote, consider myself a writer per se. I always try to see how I can challenge myself. And I, I, to my point, I've actually, I've, I've written a book though. It sits in my email. Um, and, 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 and there's only a handful of people that have seen it. Um, uh, but you know, there, there may be days where I hear somebody say something, a phrase, and I go, wow, I like that. And then I'll come home and I'll take that. And, 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 you know, bam, spit out a poem or songs. And, and, you know, there's been times where, yeah. you know, my wife, Stephanie, she'll, you know, the, she'll say something and there's a way that she puts something into words and all of a sudden I go, whoa, that right there. And I'll take that. And, you know, and, she, and next thing you know, I'll turn around and spit out a poem and send it to her and she'll be like, wow. And and That, and, that happens and it, and it, and it's, to me.
0: Not as yeah, often, and it too. that happens to me. And
2: and it's, and it's just trying to constantly challenge, challenge yourself. What can I do different here? What, you know, maybe it's just a word, maybe it's a phrase. Um, can I put this into something that means something? Can I use this in a way that becomes meaningful? I've built entire poems around a word or a phrase and things like that. And and, and it it allows me to keep trying to grow. Um, you know, And, and then it's just exploring different methods of writing, whether that's free form structured poetry, lyrics, Um, you know, I took journalism in in college and realized I hated it. And because it is because it's structured and and there is like Dave said, there are rules. And whereas being a quote unquote artist, um, which is what I consider anything that makes somebody feel something, whether that's writing, painting, drawing, photography or whatever, um I I think if you can continue to, to to challenge those boundaries and challenge yourself that's when you'll start to, you know, make and make it hard, make it hard on yourself, you know, push yourself to, like Dave said, he tries to scare himself. And and so that challenges you to, to step up, to constantly step up and to, to improve how you're approaching things. And, and so, yeah, it, it makes it fun at times too. It makes it hard. <laughs> I get frustrated. Yeah.
0: I get frustrated at times. Yeah. But <clears throat> yeah, this, uh, the article that I just put out, I, I hadn't written anything for for a while, no, two or three months, and and I felt like I, you know, I, I shared this with a few people. I I've, I honestly I I wanted to write something. So that's Browns- the one you posted on Facebook, correct? Um, Facebook, I post on Facebook, yeah, and on Twitter. Okay. Um, but yeah, I uh, I put this I put this article together. I started right. I wrote it from like nine thirty to eleven o'clock at night. I think on Wednesday night, and I'm thinking. I, I don't know if it's my best work. I just kind of had a few ideas. I put them down. I don't think I embarrassed myself. And, and people wow. start telling me it was a great article. And I'm thinking, are they just being nice or what? And and I don't want to keep asking people because then, then it just sounds like I'm asking people to tell me how great I am. And I don't want to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. you know, and, um, you know, I, I just... I consider myself a writer because I love to write, not because I'm this great person or some kind of finished product. I'm always looking to, to improve, but, um, I just, I, I guess maybe I'm more of a critic of myself than some other people are. I guess, I guess the article was, it was pretty good. I just, honestly, I read it and I think yeah, it's, it's okay.
1: That's, no, that's it, how it, I feel it, about it, my books <laughs> all my stories.
0: It,
2: and, and Rod, you, you said something there that kind of prompted a couple questions for you guys. So, you know, you talked about if you if you're putting things out into this public forum and, and I and like I said, I, I honestly really don't care what people think. And I'm always kind of humbled when people provide some of the praise that they do um, now. So when you put things out, do, do you go out there with a level of hesitancy or do you go out there and and then when people provide feedback? How trusting are you in the feedback that you're provided? You know that, that becomes a there, difficult a difficult you know thing to it, navigate is what you're being you know in, blowing sunshine. It, are you just telling me what I want to hear or are you giving me your honest feedback? And so those becomes the difficult things to navigate. Uh,
0: I yeah. think most people are just going be are gonna be nice. And I think I think a lot of people, just like for both of you guys, a lot of people like reading our stuff, okay a lot of people that know us are going to want to read something by us and say, Hey, that was, that was great because they know that we put work into it. Um, great job. Um, but there, there are people that I trust to give me honest feedback and I'll be honest. Most of the time, what people are telling me is actually true. So, um, (laughs) if people don't respond with a great, you know, great article or whatever, then that means it was probably pretty average, you know? So, um, which happens sometimes, yeah. you know, it's just how it is.
2: And then I guess my follow up question there would be, you talked about the other night, you know, you said when you sat down and wrote between nine 30 and 11 and, you know, so I'm curious, do you guys have a period of time where you write more or that you feel like you write better or, um, or, or do you sit down and just say, okay, I'm going to try to write something now. Or, or, or how do you guys approach that?
0: What? Usually, Go ahead, Dave.
1: Okay. Uh, usually for me, um, like uh, the little Twitter stories that I put out, it's whenever yeah. something pops in my head, I just start sure. writing it out. Um, sure. and I do it that way. So I don't get self-conscious about it and not send it out. Cause if, yeah. if I was to Over, sit there and write You don't write overthink that, it. Right. If I was yeah. to write that on my Microsoft Word, it may never see the light of day. <laughs> yeah. um, so I do it on Twitter just like that. But that's why you get all the misspellings, is because I try to get it out as quick as I can. Then I'll go through copy it, put it on Microsoft Word, fix it and stuff like that. But I try to get it out as quickly as I can so I don't hold anything back. Right. Uh, um now as far as How do I come up with? I don't like. I don't know if I even come up with anything. I just like close my eyes. I see stuff, and I write what I see and I hear. Hmm. So it's Mm -hmm. like I'm looking into another dimension or another world, and I'm just like reporting to you what I see and hear.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, when when I'm when I'm really in the groove, John, I and and writing an article or two a week. I get I get an idea. And I almost let it stew for a day or so. And, and by the time I sit down to write it, I almost write the whole thing in about a half hour. <laughs> because now, I, because it's, it's written itself by then. I know exactly what I'm going to say.
1: I do that with my books, with the stories that are in my books. I'm, I am constantly thinking about those for months before I even start writing but my little stories the ones i pop out i just pop them out and i got to get them out quick it it it's yeah. funny for me because there
2: will be times where you know good example is like the other night i'm i'm you know i went to the beach i took some i took some pictures uh, and and i get and, and anybody that knows me knows that when i'm near the water that starts to resonate with me in a different way than being around anything else
1: but i'm coming home oh, i know that
2: you know, and, and and so I'm coming home and all of a sudden something pops into my head and I'm like, you know, and, and all of a sudden words start to flow, words start to flow. And and like, I'm, you know, I, and I remember the other night, I came through the front door. I'm like, I got to write, got to write, got to write. And, and, and my wife's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I got I got stuff going on in my head, <laughs> you know, and it's and it's getting that and it's trying to capture lightning in a bottle, so to speak. Now, yeah. Yeah. And, and that may and that may never even see the light of day and I may write it down. And, it, you know, and I may come up with something and I may not even like it, but I have to capture it. The weird thing is for me is at night, my brain is so hyperactive. There will be times where I fall asleep with things in my head and it'll wake me up at two or three in the morning and I have to write it. And, I, and, 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 and it becomes a case of sometimes that's when I'm writing a poem at three thirty or four o'clock in the morning to capture that 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 peace, that energy, that, that feeling or emotion. And then the other thing there is, is very rarely, al- almost never do I rewrite anything. Everything that I spit out is ah. the, is when it comes out in its rawest form. And, yep. and I never, I never rewrite. I never go back and revisit and change, correct any of that. Anything that anybody sees from of my work is that's
0: how it came out my when i write poetry it almost never changes and I've, I've done the same thing john i've woken up at night with two or four lines of a poem in my head
1: yeah well that's how that uh poem uh dogs gotta eat when i wrote that, <laughs> that, that brown's poem I was middle of the night and it just kind of like came to me and just started flowing so i popped it out
2: and it's funny yeah. too because um a lot of, you know, I, I, once had a friend of mine who's also a writer, um, who's, who she, uh, she lives in, in Newark outside of Columbus, but she used to ask me one day, she, you know, she asked me one time, she goes, you know, what she goes, what is your revision process? And I go, I don't have one. And she goes, wait, what she she goes, what do you mean? She goes, D-, you know, I said, anything that you see, I've written it once and that's it. And she goes, how? And I go, that's just how it comes out. And the, and the reason in, in, I've always had a reason for that that I don't go back and reread it and change it is because what I think you get in the first draft is the truest, purest, rawest feeling that you could get it, it, at least in my context obviously because I write from emotion. I'm writing, you know, I'm writing feelings and thoughts and so whether it's anger, sadness, happiness, whatever that feeling may be, when it comes out that first time, that is in its truest form and to try to go back and change it you have, now, you have now completely altered the feeling, and, and
1: and so that's why I stay away from it. Yeah, I don't really revise much. Um, now, like with my first book, I didn't revise anything, and I've gone over it a few times, and I think, man, if I would have just added this here or that there. Um, mm-hmm. Now, with this new book, uh, Sundown, which is a story John and a few people have read that's going to be a <laughs> my new book. That one I sent out to a few people. I had questions with it yep. and with and that feedback, I went back into the story itself and I it didn't change the story, but it just added a little bit of background to it. Uh-huh. Just so it gives a little bit more uh, gets you more familiar with the characters and their motives and things like that. So, uh, I didn't want yeah. to change the overall story because if you change the overall story, the, i mean I think the story is perfect as it is I just wanted to give a little more background but that's all I've ever done that's the mo- that's the most revision I've ever done on anything and you know and, yeah. and even though I've, I, i'm I'm lucky enough to have having
2: read it already I, th- I think the people that get to read it when it finally gets to come out um, are going to be uh, you know very surprised and and, and happy with the, you know that finished product I mean right. um, out of all out of everything I've read, of, of yours dave that that i was i was kind of blown away by it in terms of i mean cer- certainly the content and, and things like mm-hmm. that but I, I thought from an overall story standpoint and what you brought to the table with that one i i think that's that was just a, a really really i mean high quality strong strong story i i i was really impressed with it and I, and, I, and i truly wholeheartedly mean that so yeah i think people will be really happy with that
1: Nice. So far, it's gotten good. Uh, everybody that's read it has loved it, so I'm yeah. happy with that. <laughs> yeah. Nice.
0: Yeah, and I wouldn't advise this for other people who write sports columns, but I rarely go back and make major changes to my to my columns. I, I, I write. And, you know, I typically take a while, uh, you know, unless I if I'm at a point where I've got the whole thing written in my head, great. But if I'm sitting down to write something, I just have an idea pop in. I'm pretty methodical as I'm writing and I don't go back and change much. I go back and check for spelling errors and, and you know, and, and that and, you know, structure and things like that. But I pretty much the way I put it down on paper, it, it, it doesn't change very often. So first draft is pretty much what gets published every time.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I don't know how people do that first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth draft. It's like, Jesus, write the dang thing already.
0: (laughs) Well, I think for some people, you're writing down a bunch of ideas and trying, you know, an outline and all this stuff. And some people need to do that. And if you need to do that for to get yourself you yeah. know, the right structure and to get things together and, and everything, then then you should definitely do that
1: yeah. when you're writing. I tried the outline. I couldn't do it. It just didn't work for me. The most I'll do now is if I'm doing like a long story, I'll write down a character's names and I'll write down kind of like a little bit about them just so I don't get lost. Because sometimes you get like, you'll start writing something like, oh, wait a minute, that contradicts what I said earlier. So I have to fix that.
0: Yeah. Kind of a little key for yep. what, what your characters are yeah
1: but most times it's like i see the char- The characters are in my head it's almost like i'm watching a movie and it just plays out usually pretty perfectly
0: yeah yeah so so uh what what kind of goals do you guys have in the future with your writing what do you think john wow um it, <laughs>
2: I've, I've been hearing for, I don't know, if you go back to the 90s, I've been having people tell me I should get my stuff published. But when, and I, and I actually, I, I went down that path for, you know, for a period of time where I looked and there, you know, from a, per, from a standpoint of writing, whether that's poetry or, or those types of things, there doesn't seem to be a lot of, I, I mean, I guess I think there's the self-satisfaction aspect of it to say that you accomplished it. But if you're certainly looking to do it for any kind of monetary
1: windfall, <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, looking for any kind of monetary windfall that ain't that ain't happening. But um, uh, you know, I I kind of look at it. And now recently, I, I did have an idea of that since I've started doing photography. I've you know in the back of my head, I've started flirting with the idea of putting together a photography book and then writing poems based around those photographs. So if I go out here to the water and take a certain sunset, uh, you know, photo, what does that photo make me feel? And then writing the poem that goes with that and and, and putting something like that into a book perhaps, or, or some things like that. I mean, I've even done weird stuff in the past, um, of, uh, you know, when I was back in my band days, we wrote originals and we were using my lyrics and things like that. I even took some of my lyrics and put them on the back of T-shirts, you know, stuff like that. And yeah. I've even flirted with the idea of, of, you know, the the whole apparel aspect of things. And so I was actually, I was actually very happy that you chose to put one of my pictures on a shirt, Ron. <laughs> so uh, yeah,
0: but, you I know, thought it looks great. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And I and I appreciate that. And 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 so thank you very much. Um, yeah. So you know, I don't know. It it, it you. If you ask me this question again tomorrow, my answer would probably be different. So, you yeah. know, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, to quote my, uh, my, 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 my buddy Indiana Jones, I'm just, I'm making this up as I go along. <laughs> yeah, I'm just
1: kind of winging it. Uh, yeah. For me, I'm, I'm hoping to someday be a full-time writer. I don't expect to be like Stephen King level, multi-billionaire type person. If I could make, what I make working in a factory writing? I'd be happy. And it's not very much. Yeah. I tell you that much. <laughs> but,
2: you're, Dave, your stuff, right? Your stuff more of like Clive Barker, <laughs> yeah.
1: Clive <laughs> Barker and uh, Allan Poe, a little uh, bit darker yeah, uh, than yeah. King. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, I don't. I'm trying to think of uh, post stuff. Always had that psychological aspect. Yeah. Where yours just is, I wouldn't say graphic. But yours just, you know, yours just deals with a different approach to delivering the story that just is, for me, is very re- reminiscent of Clyde Barker.
1: Yeah, I can yeah. see that. I can see what you're saying there, yeah. <laughs> um, I Well, yeah, I mean, I can get a little graphic at times. Yep. Uh, I, I'm not going to shy away from that at all. But I also don't really do happy endings. I just follow where the story goes. <laughs>
2: I'm trying yeah. to think of something you've written
1: so happened. I'm sitting there going hmm I, I mean, nothing I can't think of anything I've written that has a happy ending myself <laughs> I don't know I, um, uh, I'm
2: trying to remember I, I think the the I think the doll kind of had a happy ending because the
1: dude got rid of the damn thing he, well Jonathan <laughs> yes the story Jonathan yeah he got rid of it Um, so it kind of <clears> has <throat> a happy it's more of a continuing story it doesn't uh, really yeah. end
0: nobody yeah. died in that didn't they
1: Yes, actually, one character died in that. Oh, one one person. <laughs> I don't remember.
0: Okay. Uh, uh, uh,
1: the Easter story kind of ended a little happy. <laughs> the happiest ending I have is the Easter story <laughs> in my book. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> it, that, it, it, uh, the Easter story ended a little hoppy. Oh, happy. Hoppy. A, happy, yeah. a
1: little hoppy. A little happy. Sorry. I had to go with a bad play on words. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. A little hoppy. It, uh, that's like I said. That's probably the. Happiest ending or hoppiest ending uh, <laughs> of any of my stories, because at least two of the characters survived
0: Nice. <laughs> is yeah, that how know, we're
1: uh,
2: measuring? Is that how we're measuring the uh, the happy endings in your stories? Is by how many oh, people are still left
1: <laughs> alive versus
0: dead quotients? Yeah, let's uh, figure that
1: I'm out, trying so. to compete with uh, Friday the Thirteenth movies on body count. So, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Oh man. oh
0: yeah, I, I think I'm pretty much with John. I kind of, uh, my goals kind of shift and stuff. You know, I really just want to continue to, you know, become a better and better writer. Hopefully, you know, it's kind of the goal. And I, I kind of shift between being happy writing sports stuff to, you know, wishing I wrote more poetry to, to thinking oh, I should try writing a book someday. You know, I've actually, I've actually started writing two different books and they're sitting in, you know, in my, in my. Done that Google stuff somewhere you know I've, I've got like 50 or 60 pages of one written and i don't know if i'll ever get back to it yeah, so, <laughs>
1: yeah, so <laughs> i got
0: um three so i don't
1: know like, sitting there just doing nothing
0: yeah <laughs> I, I get ideas and stuff and i'm like man it take me a while to do that so i don't know if i want to do that i'll just keep well, doing the articles and blah. you and, know and that's
2: kind of yeah and that's kind of how you know especially with you know photography kind of became an outlet too um Right. And, and, and I think I, I think there's a possibility that I have a, um, a, pot- a greater potential there for, you know, doing something from a long-term standpoint of, uh, you know, from a career perspective of, uh, as I continue to work and, and hone that craft. Um, it, it, it is, it is, it is harder work. I will say that it's, it's understanding your camera and, and mm-hmm. settings and, and lenses and lighting and all of these different aspects of things that, Whereas for me, if I write, I just throw a bunch of words together, um, you know, and and so that's more natural. I, You've been doing it longer,
0: right. yeah, too. Yeah, yeah,
2: and 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 I and I think that the I think the potential for cross, you know, the crossover aspect of things is is, is there as well. Um, I, you know, I'm saying a coffee
0: table book, <laughs> I mean. you know, and it's
2: funny too. The other day, you know, my my wife said something, and she goes, she goes not only from a you know it, certainly from a photography standpoint. I, I mean, I love being around the water, obviously, but she's. She always tells me, she goes, when when you write about the ocean and she goes and the water, she goes, she goes, it's just it's completely different. She goes, she goes, go back and read everything that you've written about the water versus when you write about anything else. And she she said it's just at a different level. And it's just she goes, you use different words and different phrasings and it's more poetic and it's more. She goes, you just write in a way that's more emotional for you, and and yeah, I mean uh, I'm not gonna lie, the being around the ocean just resonates with me in in, in a way that um, that not a lot of other stuff does, and and so um, and I try to capture that, and, right. and as long as I'm making as long as I'm making other people feel that that's 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 the end goal. That I think that, you know you talk about goals, Rod. I think if I can yeah. continue to make people feel happy, um, or if I continue to help people, or that they appreciate you know, my, my, whether it's my writing or my photography, then, then that, that, that's what I want at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. So you guys ready to talk a little bit of Browns?
1: Sure. Dog pound.
0: A little bit. go uh, So let's do this. Uh, this is, this is Dave's first appearance on the podcast and we'd like to give... Yes, a chance to talk about their journey as a Browns fan. So, so Dave, tell us about how you became a Browns fan and a little bit about your story as being a Browns fan, favorite players, memories, anything you want to share.
1: Well, let's see. Uh, well, let me start off by saying my parents divorced when I was a year old. and I, Me and my dad never really had a whole lot in common all growing up. Uh, so, when I'd go over to his house on weekends, we'd watch Buckeyes and Browns games, and that's kind of how we connected first. You know, we're good mm-hmm. friends now. We have a lot more in common than I ever thought we did back then. uh, because he's actually a really good storyteller in his own right. He just doesn't ever write nothing, or well, never write nothing. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: He, he, you know, I grew up watching the games with him and learning from him, and that's how we connected. Uh, during when I was a kid, uh, said so, I mean I'd see him one weekend or two weekends a month, A couple weeks in the summer, and that's just how we got together. It was the only thing we had in common the entire time growing up, at uh. least that way. So that's how I kind of got into it. Um, I remember watching the games with my dad, my you know him t- t- talking about how you know Bernie did this or why he did that. You know, and Bernie kozar is one of my favorite Browns players of all time. I was ecstatic when he followed me on Twitter. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um.
1: But I, I remember watching Eric Metcalf uh, running the uh, returns back for touchdowns against the Steelers. Josh yeah. Cribs is one of my favorites, even though he played during a very bad time. I wish we had Cribs on this team.
0: That'd uh, be fun. Yeah. <sighs>
1: I, I will say this. I watched uh, that Demerick Felton. I watched some of his highlights on kick returns and stuff. He runs a lot similar to Cribs. Ah. Uh, he might be a little bit faster, but he actually runs, his style of running is very similar when he, I watched him doing returns. So I was like, oh, I'm not saying he's going to be the next Josh Cribs. Don't put words in my mouth. I just say the <laughs> style is similar. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I loved watching Ozzy. I loved watching a Bernie Biner. I loved all those guys. And I I remember watching the, oh, the drive about crushed me. I think it crushed everybody. <laughs> um, I fortunately was in the Navy when the move happened. So I didn't even hear about it until like two weeks after it, it, it was announced. I'm like, what? Oh, uh, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> By the time I heard about it, everybody was p- still pissed, but it was like, pretty much they've accepted the fact that it's going to happen in a way. So I was out at sea and everything. So I had no idea until I got back. Um, I remember actually watching, uh, I think it was a 94 Dallas versus the Browns. I watched it on board the ship. That was the last Browns game I got to see before uh-huh. they moved until their return in 99. So that's, that's my, that's it. I mean, it just, just connected with my dad and, now I'm like a huge fan and I get together with my kids and watch it and I try to turn them into big fans. Like my daughter hates football, but she loves the Browns. Nice. <laughs> so she'll yeah, root nice. for the Browns, but she won't watch them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So guys, uh, well, what it's been, uh, well, mini camp just finished last week. So, um, you guys have any any thoughts on minicamp? Uh, anything you saw there, John? Anything uh, anything you want to bring up about minicamp, or uh, got a couple other things we can talk about otherwise?
2: <laughs> you know, I I, I think um, kind of we we talked we'd kind of talked about it a little bit offline, but you know, a lot, a lot of the drama, you know, and I, I think we're just all kind of we're all kind of starved right now for. For just you know some things taking place, and and so we're we're kind of creating a little bit of drama out there, you know, in the Twitter in the Twitterverse. But um, I think there's a lot of good things happening with this team, and I think we all sense that, and I think that's why we're yeah. all hungry. I think we're all ready yeah. for the season. I mean, we just come off the best season in I don't know an eternity long, um, long time, yeah, and 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 so and I and I think you can look at this team and say you know what's the window of opportunity? I mean, we've got we you know what what's going to take place on the offensive side, you've got, you know, Nick Chubb and then a lot of these people that you know, and, and of course, you know, Baker and all these people that they're going to have to, you know, try to fit into the in, into the salary cap and and uh, and of course, you know, let's not even go down the Jarvis Landry, OBJ path. We want, you know, we don't want to raise everybody's hackles on that one. But then you look at what this team did in the offseason not only from a free agency standpoint with Johnson and Hill and Takahis Kinley and Jackson and all the, and all these bodies that they bought in brought in and then to go into the draft and, you know, and everybody's like, okay, you know, who, who do we want? And there was, you know, there was all the debate back and forth. You know, we all have our preferences and of course we get Newsome, but then to get into the second round and, and get, you know, get joke. Um, I, I think, I think it was at that point in time, we were all like, Oh, wow. Now, now what we can start doing some things now. And yeah. and you look at the yeah. fact that they brought in Walker um, and, and, and they made some changes to the linebacking core. Um, they went and added some speed with Schwartz. You know, we'll we'll see how that plays out. But this not only the regime from a front office standpoint, but this team feels different. And and, and you know what? I, I love that the national media and everybody else and the and all the other fans in the NFL hate Baker Mayfield. That's great. Just just keep going. Just keep just keep pouring gasoline (laughs) on the fire. Uh, I am all for it. You know Baker plays better.
0: He plays better uh, that way. And
2: well, and and not only that. I mean, the last time I checked, uh, there ain't no QB out there that's perfect. Not one. And uh, you can you can run down whether it's Tom Brady all the way back to Joe Montana or whoever you want to throw in between. um, And and but Bake is he. Fitz Cleveland. He wanted to be here. He's played with a passion. He's been through so much change and chaos and upheaval. And he's still come out and and and, and he's a leader. And that's what that's what we want. And we've got the Miles Garrett's of the world on, on this team and and, and the Denzel Wards and these other guys that help balance that dynamic out. Is is Baker Brash and does he speak his mind? Oh yeah. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. He says what the rest of us are thinking. And and I, this team right now just has so much chemistry and energy. I mean, it's like a volcano just waiting to erupt. And, and we're all going to, to, to be excited to be there cheering loudly when it happens. I mean, that's just – that's kind of been my feeling. I've just kind of sat back this off season and, and, watched a lot of it. It's been kind of funny. Some of it watching Twitter verse, trying to, you know, <laughs> the Browns, Browns Twitter, trying to cannibalize itself. But, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, I, I think at the end of the day, when football season hits, um, you know, yeah, we can look good on paper. It's all, you know, it's all about playing between the lines and, and, you know, we'll see what happens. And, and, uh, and, and and just and cross our fingers and pray that at the, at the end of the season that, you know, we're the last one standing. Um, but I think that there's a Super Bowl in the near future. I truly do. Whether that's this uh, – not, not necessarily this season, but I think in the upcoming years and in, in, in the next, you know, whether that's two years, three years, I think they're at the doorstep. I, tr- I truly do. So it's going to be
1: fun to watch. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, to further John's point about the drama – I think part of the fans' problem is we're still on hangover from 2006 when we had a good season, then it fell apart the next year, and everybody's scared that's going to happen again this year. So they're like, hey, let's trade all the way these guys and try to get these guys who we think may be better just because they're afraid. uh, They're waiting for the shoe to drop, and they're just scared it's going to happen because it did in 2007 or 2008. In 2009. Yeah. <laughs> well and,
2: and and I think one thing that you'll find about Browns fans is it doesn't especially this the the, the most recent re- you know the most recent incarnation. So if you yeah. go back to 1999, we are the eternal optimists of the NFL. Yes. yes. You know, yeah. we went we went 0 and 16, we went 1 <laughs> 15 and it didn't and it didn't matter. We kept changing coaches and players and the next yeah. year we were we were going to go 12 and 4. And we're, you know, it, it, and so we were constantly, you know, we're constantly like, hey, that 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 season's in the rear view. Uh, and of course, you know, we went with when Freddie, Freddie took <sighs> over as coach and there was all this. We got all this hype and we got uh, all this, you know, media attention and we went out and fell flat on our face. I was um, so
1: rooting for Freddie,
2: <laughs> and, you know, and, and, but I, you know, and wow. then and, and then, of course, it, you know, we changed we changed regimes like weekly. And, right. and and, 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 and I, I can't even keep track of it anymore. But we as Browns fans, we want to continue to believe that this is this is it. This is the year. Yep. And then, yep. you know, there's a reason that, that the team, the team motto is <laughs> waiting Wait for next, next year. year. There's always <laughs> next year. I mean, that's or, just that's that's because that's who we are. That's that's yeah. our, that's our personality now.
0: Well that's why why what you said is so important John, that you feel there's a Super Bowl on the horizon essentially in the next two, three, four seasons that that people have to forget about this idea of this has to be the year you know yeah. that we're always right. trying to win the whole thing this season. okay the, the goal for this franchise is to be competitive every yeah. season. Right, and if you're competitive every season, you're gonna win sometimes. Uh,
1: yeah, there are people out there that are Super Bowl or bust. If they don't make it or win the Super Bowl, it's a failed season. And it's like, how can you say that? Super Bowl is not something that's easy to do. If it was easy to do,
0: then all 32 teams would have done it multiple times already. This, this team's made the playoffs twice since right. you know since they came back. I mean, you you kidding me? If they make the playoffs, uh, that it was a bad season. I mean that that's ridiculous, and I'm not you know I'm not gonna sit here and say I'm gonna be happy if they make the playoffs and lose their first game, but I'm not gonna go around crying if this team yeah. goes you know if they, if this team goes 12 and five and gets beat in the first playoff game by a hot team, you know it, it happens right. in football, it just yeah. does. I mean well, football is about being fortunate enough to be you know to be healthy. Enough at the end of the season, and hopefully to be rolling, and you know, and it's about the matchups of who you have to play and stuff too. It's not just about, about oh, we got this great team together now, we should win a Super Bowl. It doesn't work that way.
2: No, and 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 there's that there's that whole aspect of you know any given Sunday, I mean, and and there are so many things that come into play. When when they when they lace it up and go out on the, and get out on the field. I mean, a good example is, I mean, yes, we almost beat Kansas City. You can you can make an argument. We probably should have beat Kansas City. I mean, somebody, But then and then there's people who want to spin that narrative and say, well, it's because they, you know, played only half the game with Mahomes and or this or that. And I'm like, whoa, last time I checked, nobody felt sorry for us when half our team was in the hospital right. or when, you know, yeah. when or the Jets game <laughs> or the Jets game where they had to put people out on the field with name tags on the front of their jersey because our wide receiver room, <laughs> nobody knew who they were. You know, nobody's feeling sorry for us. So why should we feel sorry for anybody else? I mean, and so there's that aspect of on any given Sunday, you you lace it up and you get out there and play. And, and and I think when you look at this organization and this team I don't I don't want anybody feeling sorry for us I don't and do I realize that we've been the you know the butt of many jokes over the last 20 some odd years yeah I'm fully aware of that but at the same many. point in time,
0: yeah, many it, might yeah. be an understatement. Oh, John.
2: oh yeah, I mean, it, it, <laughs> oh, I mean, it it, 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 beca- it became popular. It became popular culture. My wife was watching a, a TV comedy. I think it's called. I don't know. I think it might be Hot in Cleveland. I'm not sure, but it's got like Valerie Bertinelli and yeah, and Betty White, and they were making fun of the Cleveland Browns. I'm like, okay, this is getting old.
1: <laughs> you yeah. know, Tim and, Allen and, and was doing kind of it thing. on uh, Last Man Standing. He's done a few Browns jokes. You know, and, and when you look at it, at the same point in time,
2: I don't even want it to be about just this year. Or I want it to be about this team being consistently good the way that they used to be.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. And I think we lost John again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, as far as I'm concerned, if this this team – did good enough last season that they're not going to be looked at by other teams as being the joke anymore. So if that's the case, then then we shouldn't have to put up with, you know, the, the Cleveland jokes, you know, about the Browns and everything. So, you know, it shouldn't, it really shouldn't be an issue. You can't have both, you can't have both worlds. You can't, uh, you can't hate the Browns for being good and still make fun of them.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And they still try me like, uh, I think it was an, national one of the national media shows they brought up the jets game saying oh well look how bad baker played in that game and they don't even talk about how we didn't have any wide receivers that baker has thrown (laughs) a pass to all year or that the first time he threw a pass to him was in a parking garage yeah no it's just baker didn't play well that game that's why they lost no that's (laughs) it's, it's Not just the national media, but the fans—they want to make—they want to make fun, and, yep.
2: and and what they want to do is they say, okay, that's the real Cleveland Browns, but then we go out and whoop Pittsburgh's butt up and down the field in Pittsburgh for the playoffs. People don't talk about that. Well, the Browns fans do, but nobody yeah. else does. Well, or they make excuses for Pittsburgh. Yep.
1: You know, yep. the first game it was, oh well, they didn't play their starters, that's why you won. Then the second game, oh yeah, but we gifted you that game. You know, no, yeah. we beat yeah. you. That's
2: people tend to forget that we had a football franchise before 1999 right and and you know or or that they were consistently good or that we used to own the rivalry against pittsburgh and cincinnati and you know a lot of these other teams that have you know since owned us so to speak yeah but you know so yeah it's it's but that's the thing is it's it's put up or shut up at this point in time this team needs to go out and consistently win on the football field go out and win playoff games on a consistent basis go out and win meaningful games whether that's beating you know whether that's winning all your division games or winning the division yeah. or or however you want to look at that putting that kind of success on the field on a consistent basis do i think that they have the regime in place to do that yes i do uh and i think that you know Stefanski his his he, I think in one year, I think he proved that he may be the guy. I think he may I'm have proved pretty that. Com- I, I
0: I'm pretty comfortable. I, I, if Stefanski's here for the next 10 years, I'll be happy.
1: I, I- I'm comfortable with the, the whole trio. De the, the Podesta, Barry, Stefanski. Yeah, if they, oh, can yeah. Keep, yeah, if they can keep those guys together for a long time. We're going to have a winning franchise probably almost every year, if not every year. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, okay. To speak to John's point, like the, a lot of people who say that you know, forget about the franchise before '99, they associate a lot of them say, "Well, that's the Ravens' history," and I'm like, "No, it's not." the The NFL says it's not. Well, the NFL can say what they want. That's just what really happened. No, the NFL—it's their league. They told you what really happened.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it kills me. So, who do you guys feel most comfortable with as far as who's going to be extended between Baker? Denzel Ward, Nick Chubb, I'll even throw Wyatt Teller in there if you want to talk about him. Honestly,
1: I think they're going to do all of them. I think Barry's going to find a way to get them all done. You're going to have an, uh, a big jump in the cap next year. Um, I think you'll see Chubb probably be the first one, just because he's the only. Him and Teller will probably be the first two to, to go to get the contracts because you know, their are ends sooner. Like you can push bakers and wards off till next year. If you really wanted to. Um, but I think they're going to get them all done with the, the big jump in the, uh, the salary cap and what they're doing, the way they're doing it. I think you're going to start seeing guys like, and as much as I hate saying it, OBJ Landry and some of your higher paid guys, they're going to start replacing them with draft like Schwartz and, DPJ and those guys are going to start kind of pushing those other guys out and that's how you're going to keep your core of Miles Garrett and your Nick Chubbs and your Denzel Ward and your Baker Mayfields and keep those guys paid is to rotate the rest of them just like how most of the other leagues the other teams do
0: okay so you think they'll sign all four and and uh, reduce payroll other in some other spots yes What, what do you think John
2: Dave, Dave kind of stole my thunder. I was going to actually make a joke. I was going to make a joke about trading and, <laughs> and Landry
0: just to piss off the
2: to piss off the fan base. But no, I, you know, and I, I think when you do look at what they what they currently have, and and, and today's point, yes, the salary cap will go up, um, and and then you know as you start to adjust, the, the guys that when you look at it from a standpoint of whether that's a Jarvis Landry or any of these types of guys. If they want to be here, and I think they understand. I mean, they all know it's a business, and they all. And but if you're happy someplace and you're already making enough money, do you take the do you take the pay cut? Do you help the team out? There are those types of factors that sometimes we see that sometimes you don't see it all the time, but um, there are those types of things. At the same point in time, God, y- you've got a lot of money tied up in that wide receiver room. Yeah. Um. And, and yeah. so that so that becomes, that becomes. You know, do you let one of those guys go and that's the money that you give to Denzel Ward? Um, you know, uh, or, or or to Nick Chubb, and, you know, it's maybe yeah. it's Nick Chubb this year. And, and then the big one becomes obviously Baker. And I think, I think a lot of us, I mean, I know there are people out there, even in the Browns fan base that don't like him, don't want him. Uh, but if you decide that he is your franchise quarterback, you are looking at paying him $40 million a year roughly i mean that's what a lot of these top quarterbacks are making now and yeah. Yeah. so you have to now say okay let's 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 look at fitting all of these giant salaries you know we're already paying miles what 25 million i think
1: yeah uh, you're gonna
2: yeah. be you're gonna be if you and if you decide that denzel is your lockdown corner you're paying him what 14 15
0: yeah, yeah. It's in that in that range.
2: Yeah. And Nick Nick will- Chubb's 12, 12 yep. or thirteen, probably. And we would, and and amongst us, we may sit there and say that we think Nick is the greatest running back in the league. And I think from a pure running back standpoint, I do believe that. Yeah. But is he the best all around running back? Does he give you the best chance for success in the you know? And so they, you have to start to weigh those types of things. But does that put him into the top four or five tier of running backs? And how much money they make? So that's a lot of money that they need to sort out. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I think that I think that they do decide to pull the trigger on Baker, um, and hopefully, you know, maybe, the you know they 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 they, they work some wonders with math and, and cap and cap you know and, and 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 getting all the cap magic worked out. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how all this comes together in the next you know, 18 to 24 months.
0: I, I agree. I think, um, I think that I think Baker will happen for sure. I, I just have a feeling they'll find a way to keep Nick Chubb. I think I think Nick Chubb will end up taking a little bit less than what everybody. I could thinks. see that. Yeah, yep, I
1: can uh, see just that because he yep.
0: wants to be here. He loves playing with Kareem. He loves being in Cleveland. I mean, he's not going to sign for eight million a year, but he's no. you know I I could see him taking closer to a ten than 10. you know rather than you know than thirteen or fourteen, which might be what the market and, would you know say, and then um, if there's if there's one guy on the team
2: that we could all agree on everybody in the fan base hundred percent could agree as a team guy it is Nick Chubb.
0: Oh my god. Hey, yeah. Oh god, yes. Yeah. So um I just I hope they I hope they get that done. But I think they're gonna I think you almost have to keep Baker just because I mean how long's it been since we've had a damn quarterback in Cleveland. <laughs> Quarterbacks oh, are yeah. not a dime a dozen. No you can't um, let it, you cannot let a good that, quarterback well I don't go. know
1: what that uh GM on the get up. The, in, the, in the morning show, the Greeny, Mike Greenberg show of Mike Finnenborn or whatever his name is. And he's talking about, oh, he wouldn't re-sign Baker. He would go out and find another quarterback with his skill set. I'm like, where?
0: Oh, it's so easy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we only went through like, <laughs> what, 75 guys before we it, found Baker. Exactly. It was like, you know? well,
1: you know, they try to compare him to Tannehill. And, and Tannehill's a fine quarterback. He's a, He's a good quarterback. But it's not like every team in the league has a good quarterback.
0: No, they don't. Well, and they, Tannehill
2: had a re- and Tannehill had that resurgence in Tennessee, and how right. much of that is attributed to Derek Henry? I mean, yeah. when you have a guy that's a beast like that in the backfield, does that make it easier for the quarterback, or does the passing yeah. game make it easier for the running back? There's that whole argument. But I mean, when Damn. you look at Baker's look at Baker's numbers. So in in the four years that we have watched him, he he didn't even play the first or his whole rookie season. He played what 12 and a half games, basically thirteen yeah. games. Yeah and, yeah, and and had a great had a. Well, had a strong rookie season. Yes, yeah. he had that sophomore nightmare, so to speak, but I mean all the <laughs> coaching change, yeah. yeah, all yeah. the coaching change, all the offensive upheaval and all okay. of that. And then to to bounce back last year and to put together a good year and down I think the one thing I look at with Baker is he started the season last year and there were some struggles and you can make an argument was he forcing the ball to obj and then we run down all of those ridiculous arguments but then down (laughs) this then down the last half of the season down the last half of the season he looked pretty damn good and he played well in the playoffs
1: well a lot of that attributes to just him finally getting comfortable in the system i think that's some of it yeah i mean that's his what fourth system in three years absolutely so he was just getting comfortable with finally getting comfortable with it learning it getting his timing right with his receivers you know yep. getting comfortable with them and, and even and look at in
2: just this last week you know kind of to go back to touch on mini camp baker looked leaned up it looked like he yeah. came, it looked like he put in the effort in the offseason. it looked like because everybody was whining and crying I'll, I'll say it nicely whining and crying <laughs> about the fact he's spending too much time making commercials in him why is he doing this and why is he over there and doing that he's putting in the work He's put, you know, and yet he still had a good season last year. But now this year, he put in the off-season work. He put in the physical work. He looks like he's leaned up. He looks like he's, you know, and it, and the funny thing is, is the it, it, it could be game one, it could be game seventeen. He he could go out and have one bad game, and people are gonna be like, okay, we need to trade that S O B. And it's oh, just, yeah. you know. And that's just that's kind of where yeah, we're who's, at. Who's a backup? Yeah, who's a backup? Yeah. Who can we have out there yeah. instead? And and, yeah. I, and, and, and the yeah. date in the day that they signed Baker to that contract extension,
1: I just want to see how many heads explode. That that's just what that's what I'm, look, <laughs> that's that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm watching for. Oh, well, that's what I'm watching. Com- for. The commercial argument cracks me up because they act like he was gone for four or five months filming a movie. <laughs> it probably took him a week to two weeks to film every commercial he made. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it's a thirty-second spot. It doesn't take that long to film it. I mean, you'll. Hey, contest and they that are time. good commercials. So they I are hilarious. That. <laughs> but they don't That's take. That's the important thing. Yeah. They don't take you know two months to film a thirty-second spot.
2: So I I, I was uh, <laughs> this was in um, uh last year when I was living up in Daytona. I was at the gas station. I'm wearing all, you know it's it's one of the you know Sunday and um, I've got all my Browns gear on. And this guy stopped me. He goes, hey, hey, who are you guys playing today? And and I was talking to him, and he goes, "Yeah, man, I'm I'm pulling for you guys. I'm you know, it's great to see the Browns doing well. And oh, oh, your quarterback makes the best commercials in the league." I, just, <laughs> oh, I was like, "Yeah, that, that's that's." That's I'm why I'm we like, have him. Yeah, I'm like, the the yeah. Next that's why, he, yeah, the yeah, that's why they signed him. That's why they signed him because he makes good commercials. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, like guys, said, who uh, who uh, Baker who wants to be here? Baker wants to be a Cleveland Brown, and and that that into itself. Um, that's
0: important. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, guys, who who has the biggest impact? If you rank these three guys for me. Who has the biggest impact this year coming back off off their injuries uh, between OBJ, Greedy, and Grant Delpit?
1: John, I'll let you go first. <laughs> oh,
2: <man. laughs> um, I'm gonna say uh, okay. Number one, I'm gonna say Grant Delpit. Um, you know they let uh Sandejo go, obviously um who he was he was the target of a lot of venom last year some of it yeah right I, actually i'd say most of it probably rightfully deserved um <laughs> um greedy it's going to be interesting to see what happens if we even get him onto the field i mean we we drafted Newsom um you know they got Hill and Johnson and these guys uh so it's and and now that i circle back to Delpit i mean they brought in you know, all this, they brought in, you know, Johnson. And of course, you know, we've got Harrison. So
0: Johnson, Harrison and and Redwine too. Well,
2: I I think, I think, I think Redwine's the odd man out. Um, so I think, you know, you're looking at a a starting tandem of probably Johnson and, and, and Harrison, unless Delpit just lights it up in, in training camp. But I think but I think he can come in and make an impact. And of course, it remains to see what happens with OBJ. I mean, it looks like he's healthy. And and you know, if he if he's if he's fully healthy, if if he's even part of who he could be, um, you know, do we circle back to that whole thing with the offense? And so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I'm going to say Delpit one. I'm going to say OBJ two, and Greedy's just a question mark. I'm going to put him at three.
1: I, yeah. I agree totally with John that that's exactly how I would put it. Um, I think you're right. I think uh, you'll see Harrison and Johnson start as the safeties, but I think you'll see Grant Delpit play that third linebacker spot a lot. Um, I also think you'll see where like, Delpit will line up in the third linebacker spot, but then he'll drop into safety and like Harrison or somebody will come up and take over to just t- to confuse the quarterbacks and stuff. There's so much you can do with this. Uh, You might even be able to see that from JOK sometimes where he might drop back Mm -hmm. and play a little safety and have the safety come up into the box. Um, There's just so many things that they're going to be able to do with this defense. It's going to be crazy. You're never going to know who's coming from where or who's covering what. The only thing you'll know is Ward's over here, and I'm going to think, honestly, I think Newsom's going to be the starter on the other side of Ward. Yeah, I think so too. Um, you guys Parsons. think he's going to
0: start as a rookie?
1: I do. Well, they, start, they started
2: yeah. greedy. They started greedy for a, a period rookie. of time, but they Ward? also started you know Ward and you, yeah. know, and oh, Newsom, yeah.
1: you know Newsom. You know comes oh, highly could. rated. I yeah. I think they're going to be careful with greedy because with that injury, if it flares up again, if he gets hit just right again, yeah. You know, when you talk nerve damage, it's that becomes a dangerous thing to dance yeah. around. So I think he, that's why I think it's going to be Newsom mostly because you don't want greedy out there and then just get hurt and be lost for the whole season again. And I think yeah. just, you'll see him rotate in. And Rod, actually I'm
2: going to kind of circle back to mine really quick. You know what? I, you know, the, the more that I thought about it now, you know, cause I think Delphit will be probably, you know, coming, he won't be starting. So I, I, I forgot that we, you know, we brought in some free agent, you know, <laughs> or, you know, we brought in some free agent talent, We you know, and so that it's pretty deep back there. So it'll be interesting to see, but I think when you look at OBJ, and you, and you talk about if he comes back and he's healthy, that's the other thing. These guys are all, I mean, if we assume that they're fully healthy, if you talk a fully healthy OBJ, we all know what his impact can be. I mean, it wasn't, you know, I remember last year he almost, I mean, what, three touchdowns in the Dallas game? He rescued yeah. us. Um, you know, and granted, that was early in the season. And and and, and, and so it's, do, where do they fit him into the offense? Uh, that kind of thing. But I would like to think that if he's healthy, he's starting. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. His, and his, yeah. poten- and his potential imp- and his potential impact is always going to be, you know, because he's OBJ. We know what he can do. We know that there's the possibility that he can, you know, open up the field whether that's for Jarvis or, or you know, for Hooper or uh, Ninjoku or any of these guys. He, you know, he he commands attention. Um, so. It'll be it'll be interesting. I, I think he may be the guy that I, I, I think I if I look back now and, and, and say rank him in terms of impact, I think I'm probably gonna put OBJ at one and then delpit at two and probably greedy at three. Can see that.
0: That's that's how I would go and yeah. it sounds funny, but I think I feel most comfortable with OBJ's health at this point. Yeah. Because I think it seemed like they were kind of going real slow with Delpit. You know, at the mini camp. Um, not, not letting him do too much. Um, but I think all three of these guys, I, I think that there's kind of a question mark still remaining, whether, whether, um, you know, these guys are going to be ready for training camp. Um, they're all out there in mini camp doing something. But right. so we, we don't, I don't think we know a hundred percent if they're going to be ready to actually go for the season, you know, for game one. So I, I think it's really a tough call, but I mean, if I'm going, I'm going OBJ and then probably Delpit and Greedy just because of the nerve damage. We, we really don't even know if he's going to make this comeback. I right. think.
1: Um, I, I think they'll all be ready for game one. It's just whether they're, they're going to be able to stay healthy throughout the season. Seventeen games is a long. Oh, well, that's
0: a big season. question too. You know, but I, I think. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt. I think the thing with Delpit is I think that they're going to, um, I I think we're going to see a lot of three safeties probably out there. It could happen. So, I mean, you're going to see Johnson and Harrison out there. So, you know, I mean, they'll play Redwine or they'll play um, um, JOK, you know, out there um, potentially, you know, whether he's playing at one of the linebacker spots or one of the safety spots, but I think they'll work in Delpit as he's able able to play too. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, well, I think it, go ahead go john. ahead Dave. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was just was gonna, gonna
0: say
1: that the, <laughs> yeah, we're doing it again <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like go a bugs bunny cartoon <laughs> <laughs> oh john go go ahead no, just. i was going
2: yeah i was just gonna say that i think when you look at um all the personnel that they brought in and that depth um you know that they, they there was a, a obviously a concerted effort to overhaul that defense, and for good reason. Um, And to, you know, not just from a linebacker standpoint, but the secondary standpoint, um, guys that can bring speed. um, It looks like we've added some ball hawking, you know, talent to the field. Um, You know, and and, and for me, and and I would said this on Twitter, one note about JOK is, for me, when I watch that kid play, he reminds me a lot of Eric Turner. And I love that. I can't express that enough. I mean, you know, every, you know anybody on uh, anybody in Browns sort of verse knows that I'm an Eric Turner guy. And, and when I watched his play and I watch a lot of his tape, whether it's the Stanford game or some of those, you watch that and the way he he explodes through people. I'm just like, yeah, he reminds me of Rock, big. And 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 I'm all for that. I'm all for that because that's the thing I've always wanted on our Browns defense. Is it? It it used to upset me that I mean it was bad enough that the team moved. Then they go out and get a guy like Ray Lewis, or they go out and get an Ed Reed, and these guys that just would you know that were intimidators. And that's what I've always wanted on the defense. And when I watch Jok, you know, that's what I see. And so I'm really excited about this. Um, you know what the potential exists with this defense, and I'm really hoping Joe Woods can 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 utilize all of that talent uh, efficiently. Um, when you look at that secondary and that linebacking core, and even that front that front you know that front line. Now you know, mm-hmm. I mean, they went and got um, you know Jadavian Clowney, and I mean we haven't even talked about him, and so I think there's a lot of potential here for for what this defense could do. And again, it's that proverbial on paper. So we shall see, but I mean, I think there's a, I think there's a lot of, a lot of potential there.
1: Um, like I was going to say with this, the back seven is very versatile. They can play the run. They can cover. There's nothing they can't do. I mean, when you look at the back seven, if you add Delpit as like the other linebacker, the will linebacker type person, you got the Johnson, you got Harrison, you got JOK, And then you got Walker. The slowest guy there's Walker and he's not slow. You know, so we got speed. Every one of these guys can cover the run, they can they can cover the pass. It, they can mix and match so much. They'll think they're in dime when they're actually in like a 4-3 man or something like that. And you won't know because they're out there in dime looking exactly like that too. Uh, hey, plus as, yeah. as, lo- as
2: long as they don't go Romeo Cornell <laughs> UFO defense and all of that. That's, 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 yeah,
0: that's good. yeah. Uh, the, the thing is that, that they have enough enough depth, right, at these spots that they don't need to to put a lot of pressure on these young guys either. They don't need to have JOK out there nope. starting, you know, right off the bat, doing all kinds of things that you know and, and learning and knowing every assignment you know, for, for every snap of, of week one, you know, they don't have to do that necessarily. Um, I mean, you know, they, they can bring these guys along. And there, can, there's enough can, talent around to do that.
2: Yep. Yeah. And, and you, you just, you, you said the word right there, Rod is, I mean, look at this team. This may be the most talented Browns team I can remember. Um, and I mean, there's so much depth, which we have, uh, I can't remember last time we had any kind of level of depth on offense or defense, let alone both. Um, there's actually the potential that talented players are going to get let go this year. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's
1: how
2: much be. is that. Yeah. I mean, that's how much is on this roster right now. And so it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens in, in, you know, as we get ready to, for the season and, and who gets cut and, and, and who, and who kind of, you know, works to the forefront with, with the depth chart. Um, so this is, this, I think there's, I think this is going to be a fun season. Um, I think we're going to get to see some, I, I, some really interesting things take shape from a defensive standpoint. I think we already know what we're going to see offensively, but from a defensive standpoint, this is going to be, you know, uh, on any given week where you go, you know, a new star pops up or, um, somebody, you know, somebody makes a big play. I mean, and so this is going to be, I think this is going to be fun.
1: The rotation on this team on the defense side is going to be crazy
2: because you're going
1: to be able to Rotate guys in and out, and you're not really going to lose much on talent.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, sure and they're going to be able to keep guys fresher, keep you know keep guys uh, out there. Like when you see them long drives, I don't think you are going to get a lot of those long drives. But when you see them long seven eight minute drives, and the defense is just exhausted by the other drive, well, they're going to, that's not going to happen because you are going to be able to rotate guys in and out of there and keep them fresher. Yep. And, and, and then not only that,
2: I, I read an article, I can't remember where it was at yesterday, but I read an article where and they, they had talked to, you know, Javion Clowney and talked about now with the talent that they have in there. And, and, it, and of course, this is always contingent on is everybody healthy, this type of thing. But you look at the fact that they brought in Malik Jackson and they got some of these other people. And then, of course, they brought in Tack McKinley, you know. You may have Tack McKinley out there, Malik Jackson at one of the DT, but you may slide Garrett inside and stack Mm -hmm. him next to Jadavion Clowney. And if you're on the left side of the offensive line and you're looking at Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney, you're probably freaking out a little bit. You know, that kind of thing. So Yeah, I mean, just, you know, so when you you look at what they're going to be able to do with the offensive line, the linebackers, the secondary, it's going to be interesting to see how they mix and match a lot of these pieces. I mean, it's kind of like – you know, just having this puzzle and just and just out there toying, toying with the offense, and that's what you want to do is keep them guessing. You want to, you want you want them confused. You want you want everybody looking like Ben Roethlisberger during the playoffs, sitting on the sideline crying. <laughs> One of my favorite
1: images. <laughs>
0: that would be great. Yeah, yeah. If we see a lot of that out of opposing quarterbacks this year, oh, yeah. I picture it, it's going to be a happy, happy season, guys.
1: I, I, you know, Sam Darnold's not going to be the only one seeing ghosts. I'm telling you, yeah. <laughs> it's well, going to happen to all of them.
2: I, and and all you got to do is look at the Super Bowl. We everybody walked into the Super Bowl. Oh, it's you know Tom Brady's the old guy and this that and the other. Yep. And yet. Tampa Bay just, I mean, that defensive line—it was like a track meet all game long, and Mahomes is back there running around like a chicken with his head cut off. You know, we may not necessarily see that type of performance week in and week out, but I think the I think the ability or the potential for this defense to have that kind of impact, I think it exists. And I mean, it it may take us some time to get there. We've got new faces and you know, gel that chemistry and things like that, learning a new defense. Um, so I, I, th- I, think it'll take some time, but I think that, you know, the potential is there to, to definitely have, um, a lot of impact on, you know, across the board on the defense.
0: Definitely. Yeah. So guys, we've been going for a while. Are you ready to, uh, ready to wrap this, this thing up? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. I got a quick shout out,
2: Rod. I got a quick shout out. I don't know if you guys saw the news today, but. I thought it was pretty cool that, um, you know, a former Browns player, Carl Nassib, came out and said, yeah. you know, he announced, he announced that he was gay, on you know, on social media. And, and so to, to have the NFL, you know, to have to be the first active player that's gay in the NFL, uh, I mean, you know, and it, it shouldn't be newsworthy, but it is in some yeah. aspects. But it was neat to see a lot of support from. Um, you know, not only the Browns fans, but you know the NFL community. Um, and I mean, the NFL even put out a statement about it. But um, good for him. I mean, that, that's awesome that you know we're we're going down to a more all inclusive aspect, of, you know, in the sports world. And um, you know, given everything that's gone on in, in in recent years, so it was really neat to see that. So good for him. Bravo, man.
0: Yeah, and he donated um, what a hundred thousand dollars to. I don't. I don't remember the name of the charity guys. I don't know if you guys do or not. Uh,
2: I don't remember off the top of my head, but no. yeah, it did. Say it's,
0: it's um, that. the charity is for LGBT uh, um, Q, um, for uh, suicide prevention. Yeah. So yeah. Um,
2: good for him. Good, for, good him. for him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I mean, he he did this for all the right reasons. Oh, yeah. uh, it wasn't. It wasn't say you know to say hey look at me you know I want to be. The poster boy for this or that or you know i want right. attention it was it was he was ready to do this for you know for him and he wanted to make a positive impact you know for for some some kids that go through some tough things so yeah uh, yeah definitely uh, definitely a very positive thing and,
1: and yep. like john said it's not something we should have to celebrate because it should be normal Yep, we should just be able to accept it we have to celebrate it now until it becomes normal but it should just be normal that it should just oh yeah he's well, who cares he's gay who cares that's how it should be not oh my god he's gay no it's,
0: it's, but you really know you guys it's a be. sign of the times that things yeah. are changing that that, yep, yep. that we're actually comfortable even talking about this because yep. 20 30 yeah. years ago you know people oh. would have been oh my god are you are you kidding me he came out and yeah. said this you know yeah, and no. now people are you know um times have changed so you know that's the good thing and and good for him that he did this and um you know because he couldn't have done this 30 years ago he would have been persecuted and he would have been kicked out of the league and you know and all this other stuff
1: well like john me and john uh we joined the military in the don't ask don't tell era yeah yeah so Yeah.
2: yeah,
1: yeah yeah even though we knew i mean i'm sure john did i had quite a few friends that were homosexual but you know they just you don't talk about it on you know yep. now it's a great thing that we can and it's not even i like, it's not mind-blowing it's like oh that's just good for him and good you know it's not it's all like, about all, the human yeah all about the individual all about the yeah human. it
0: doesn't exactly yeah yeah definitely definitely so 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 dave i'll give you uh give you the floor any closing words for us
1: uh well all i can say is if. If you're following me on Twitter, just be prepared to read some <laughs> scary stuff.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, and you never know when they're going to come out. It's random. Uh, hope you enjoy them. Um, buy my book and, and if you really like scary stuff. And I hope to have the n- new book out. I'm hoping for an October release. Good so time. that's that, that's my goal right now is an October release. So I'll keep you guys updated on that. Excellent,
0: John. What do you have for us?
2: Ah, oh, you know, Rod, I I always appreciate you know sitting down and, and, and talking, um, you know, all things Browns and and you know some of the other topics we've touched on and you know in the past, obviously writing and whatnot. And um, I'm always humbled that uh, you guys have me on and, and and like to discuss stuff. I I think uh, I feel fortunate to be a, a part of a good community, you know, with with the Twitter crew and and uh, and and so I'm always I'm always. You know, fortunate in that sense. i you know, I've really tried to, and I'm sure you guys, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but I've tried to be a lot more grateful about some things. I've really tried <laughs> to change my approach on on, tw- on the Twitterverse. I think there's a lot of craziness going on right now out there, but uh, just trying to make the best of it. And uh, just wanted to send a quick shout out, late a late Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there, uh, out there doing great things. And and of course, we also just fell um, just not too long ago, a few days ago, uh, Juneteenth, and you know, and I posted something at that point in time that. I think it's important that we continue to, you know, support and love and encourage all our, you know, our, our members, uh, our brothers and sisters of the black community. that are out there that are doing great things. And, and uh, you know, so it, I, I, I'm always I always feel fortunate and, and humbled to to be a part of uh, of such a great group of people. So that's all I got. You know, go Browns. I'm excited for the uh, season. Browns. I think we all are. So that's it. Thanks for having me. Rob.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. My that's pleasure. It. Yeah. Thank you. This has been the Browns Blitz. We will catch you next time.